clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure, where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. I was trying something a little new today, Doctor. It was a, that was I, my super sultry, sexy Jeremiah voice. What did you think? It felt more like a bad Batman version what? of it. <laughs> Batman? What? You know what? You don't really truly appreciate my vocal talents. I don't think you understand the levels of like I can tell the story through my my gift here. The yeah, gift. I just don't know that you told that story. And we're back, folks. So happy to see the doc as always. Couple of announcements. Don't forget the Amy book is now out. It's out there. It's in the world. Take the time. Check it out. We had a great time doing this book. Autumn Karen is an absolute genius. It is a female empowerment erotica novel. And that's why you have a woman who specializes in female studies that helped write this book because God knows Jeremiah writing a female empowerment erotica <laughs> book probably wouldn't have gone over very well by myself. You get those people like, how do you think you understand that experience? And I'm like, I don't. That's why I needed a professional. So check it out. The audiobook is also out. It's super fun. It was done by my ex-wife and one of my best friends in the whole world. Kelly Dorney is the narrator. We had so much fun doing the book. And uh, so check it all out. We're having a great time with it. And you can get information on the University of Pleasure website. So check that out there. Doc, have you listened to the audiobook yet? I have not. Okay. I read the book. Hey, I read the book. That's I'm ahead of where I would expect myself to be. Yes. How is the uh, other book that I sent you for uh, to for you to read? The one that I sent you I four months ago. Have yet to read that. Oh, I need okay. To okay. Put it back on the top of my list. Yes, I think that's also what you said the last time that I asked you where you were. I've been. Here's the deal. I've been like. Book. I've been like doing this thing called you know like navigating a mental global mental health crisis with people. So. <laughs> I mean, fine, fair enough, fair enough. It's fine. <laughs> You are saving people, and it's magical. All right, fine. Well, I don't know that I'm doing that, but I do know that That's what there's you a do, lot Doc. going on. Or the, you know what? The thing is, I really think it's amazing what you do and what our dear friend Laura Rademacher does. You know, you help so many people, and it's a really wonderful thing. I know you shake your head and roll your head around when I say nice things like that, but it's true. You do it because, uh, uh, you know, you're a doctor, and you know, get out there, and you know, I know you help people. But, but from my perspective, I think it's brilliant. So anyway, don't forget to check out the Amy book. I know that the doc and uh, Laura Rademacher, one of my dearest friends, is going to get together and do another episode of Sex Therapist Shoot the Shit. And so we will tell you when that one's ready to come out. And we're going to be, I'm not going to disclose the guest yet, but we'll be having a guest. <gasps> 
Is it yeah. me? No, it's not you. It's called, sex, it's called sex therapist shoot the shit. It'll be another sex therapist. Fine. Can he's I great. be like we're, an adjunct he's professor? Gonna, he's, he's great. We'll be very excited to have him. Oh, it's a he. It is. Oh, is he going to come on the University of Pleasure so I can meet him? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Oh, oh okay. Excuse me. Hang on a second. <laughs> I'm slow introducing him. We gotta, we gotta, we, we're gonna introduce him. Is this is the pre-screen. This is the well, not for him, for us. <laughs> Fair enough. No, for for him to decide if he's willing. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, those are all of our announcements. Um, by the way, have you been checking our phone line? I haven't been checking our phone line. We should probably check the phone line. We should probably create a voicemail for the phone line. You haven't well. done that yet? I thought you were doing it. No, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why would I be doing the voicemail? Uh, well, I'm we'll glad that we announced the voicemail line. People probably called in and been like, there's no voicemail line. We should probably check the email for the people who called into the voicemail line. They're like, hey, I tried to leave a message and there's no voicemail. How is this falling through the cracks? Where is our business manager? <laughs> it's often done between the two of you and I. So oh, gosh. <laughs> I well, our new business manager is going to fix all of these issues. Uh, he, he's, he's a genius, and all of these things are going to be fixed. I can't. I know. We can't be relied on to do these things. We're the ramshackle, This ramshackle thing that we've been running all ship, <laughs> getting to shape. <laughs> well, we have a new topic today. This one is very... Uh, therapizational in my opinion so i'm interested know, to see i don't even know what that means doc it's a technical term i don't know where you studied but you better it's get a, back in the it's books. a non it's a nonsense term but let's <laughs> keep going <laughs> okay all right here we go this is today's topic persevering through pleasure navigating sex and intimacy after traumatic experiences there we go that was not a Batman voice. That was my narrator voice, just so we're clear, okay? It was good. It was good. Thank it was, you. It was good and, and nice Thank and clean. You. Did that hurt? Are you okay? Are you in pain right now for complimenting com me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel totally fine. It, was, it wasn't a struggle. Well, let's get into this. I think I, I got a sense of what this is just by the title. And I know, uh, you know, so are we talking about people who have had like sexual trauma? Um, that's a good question. Actually, I would say like any type of experience that someone feels like has been, and trauma is always a tricky word, right? Some people are like, well, I had some pretty intense experiences. I don't know if I'd describe them as traumatic or not. And some people say traumatic um, and they use that word trauma. This is really for anyone that feels like they've been through life experiences, whether they define them as traumatic or not, that they feel like have really, they were impactful and they were impactful to a degree that it felt like they impacted their sexual and intimacy um, in terms of like their lives. Oh, and so, I feel what you're saying. And, I got you. So like even if it was something like outside, like, OK, so it wasn't a sexual traumatic experience, like say, you know, someone in your life that you were very close to passed away or, you know, the, you were struggling with, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you lost your job or like, you know, yeah, there's all, I mean, well, I mean, there are all sorts of things. Like it's not really up for me to decide or anyone else to decide what someone else experiences traumatic or like highly impactful, right? Like that's up to the individual. And, you know, 
I, I do think there's sort of, um, when we talk about uh, trauma and we talk about like trauma that might impact sex, we do, don't get me wrong, like history of sexual trauma absolutely can, for some, not all, side note, there are lots of people that have had history of sexual trauma and don't see impact on their sexual lives, um, or at least don't sort of... Uh, cite that as being a highly distressing thing. Just say that because that's kind of a misunderstanding at times that you assuming in either direction is sometimes a problem. But there are plenty of people that have been through other really intense or traumatic experiences that have also impacted intimacy and sex. So like, let's say, for instance, someone um, had a relationship in which there was domestic abuse or sure, right. And then, sure. Right. Or verbal or emotional abuse. And now they're trying to engage with a new partner and finding some struggles with intimacy and sex. Right. Or somebody was engaging in something else like they were in a traumatic accident or something. There's all sorts of things. Right. That can really just impact somebody because sex is a very vulnerable thing. And it requires a sense often of a lot of safety and security. And when people have had really um intense or traumatic experiences, one of the things that often, especially trauma is known for is really rocking a person's sense of safety and security. Got it. Oh, okay. No, I'm really, I'm really interested in this one. Okay. Okay. Not that I'm not interested in the other ones and blah, 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 <laughs> but I'm really interested in this because, you know, there have been people that can have experienced these things and can really struggle afterwards based on what you're saying. And like, because, and I, everything, what you just said, totally hit me. It makes sense. I'm with it. And I want to, let's, let's change the world together today, doc. Let's do it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I also want to acknowledge this is a big topic, right? So we're just going to try to take some pieces that we can today. And I have a suspicion it might be one that we revisit in future episodes as well. Right? So we're going to say this is going to be part one. Part one with an infinite number of parts that we have yet to name. All um, right. Just because like, because there's so many different types of experiences people can have or things that might feel traumatic to someone that can impact people's uh, sexuality and their intimacy, uh, you know, it's hard to be like, and this is what you do, because it really depends on what someone's experienced, right? Like, that's pretty important to like, maybe the struggles they might be having. Uh, but you know, so there, there's all sorts of different types of ways that this might come up or impact somebody. But I do want to, and, and so again, we'll focus in as best as we can on some certain things today. Um, but I did want to talk about some some common sexual struggles people might have post-trauma. Okay. Uh, just because, like, a lot of times when we think about stuff, we we tend to think about things in a in a pretty like I would call it like more classic PTSD kind of way. Sure. Um, but and and we can and certainly those things can show up. But um, there's also some other things that might surprise people or people maybe haven't thought about or maybe for themselves even associated with past trauma. Uh, so um, some of the more common ones, right, are unwanted. Or or intrusive thoughts or memories associated with past abuse or trauma. So that's just like, let's say somebody is trying to be sexual and then all of a sudden intrusive just means you don't want to be having it. It's intruding, right? Yeah. Intruding, and then on, sudden, intruding on your thought process. We've talked yeah, about this in have, other episodes though. We have, I right. cannot tell you what episode it was, but I do remember that we talked about intrusive thoughts. Yeah, where it's just like, and we, by the way, we have intrusive thoughts all the time in which we're like wandering around the world and that are not always sexual, right? It's just like, oh, 
you know, I'm holding this knife, cutting an apple. What would happen if I just stabbed it in my hand, right? Like right. That's, that's like an intrusive thought and they're kind of random. However, intrusive thoughts can also occur after trauma, right? Where people are having a lot of unwanted thoughts or, you know, thoughts of maybe past abuse or past trauma or stressful incidents. And they're showing up when someone's trying to be sexual and they're really interfering with somebody's good time essentially. Um, even if, side note, they're with a partner that they feel very safe with. And that's part of the tricky thing about all of this too, because sometimes when someone's had a history of trauma, um, this stuff is showing up with partners that they actually do feel quite safe with. And that can be really tricky for partners because partners, you know, Nobody wants to be punished for the crimes of someone else, right, right? Right. And but it's hard because somebody can't really help that their brain is doing that. And sometimes partners, it can make them feel like really bad, like they're doing something wrong. And it's just a, and no one is doing anything wrong. Like I get why partners can feel that way. They're like, hey, I've done everything and everything to try to make you feel safe, to try to make you feel secure. And someone's saying, yes, and I do with you. But I've got this whole other part of my brain that's really just sending me different messages. Because the thing about trauma is that trauma is really more something that occurs in the part of our brain that is more like the fear center of our brain, right? It's more mm -hmm. of the protective, the, we all have sort of our, our, we have our prefrontal cortex, which is that part of our brain that's like associated with, with um, higher thinking processes, right? Like thinking yeah. of future consequence and problem solving, right? And then we have more of our hindbrain and this other part of our brain, which is frankly a big part of our brain and is, is a little bit more what makes us, so I talk a lot about like we're fancy animals, right? right it's right. more that part of our brain, which is really responsible for keeping us alive. Okay. And in trauma, that part of our brain, right, the way that we move through the world is when we have something that gives us a sense of unsafety or fear, our brain stores that, right? It stores that because it's trying to be helpful. It's like, right, oh, right. let me help you in the future. If you, if you run across something that reminds you of this again, I'm going to give you a little warning so you can keep yourself safe. Right. But but the problem is that sometimes with trauma, the brain sends that message because it is trying to do its job. It's trying to keep you safe, but it doesn't understand that maybe you are in a different set of circumstances. Right. right. Okay. Because this is the part of our brain that does we don't have conscious access to. Right. right? We can't go in there and, and, and just kind of flip that switch and turn that off. Like that's an right. unconscious thing that is telling you like, hey, you're not safe. I got to protect. I got to protect us here. Right. Right. Got it. And so that happens a lot with, and that's a part of PTSD, like more classic PTSD. That's a huge part of PTSD. The brain keeps going like, you're not safe, you're not safe, when in reality, maybe somebody is. But okay. that traumatic incident just kind of cemented some of that a little bit more firmly in that part of the brain. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so what can happen, right? Like, so some people might have unwanted or intrusive thoughts, sometimes unwanted memories come in of past abuse or trauma. That would be something that's a little bit more classically, like we look at as maybe more classically a post-traumatic stress symptom. Some people might increase, depending on what they've experienced, uh, experience like increased touch sensitivity or reactivity, Okay. like have a harder time with touch. Um, part of that is maybe because of what may have happened, but also like the more sort of that, think of that protective instinct I was just describing, right? Mm -hmm. It sometimes can kind of put people's 
when people's sympathetic nervous system is sort of amped up, which often happens when someone's been through something traumatic. Remember I was talking about that, like that protective response, right? That fight, flight, or freeze yes. sort of response yes. someone can yeah. be in. Sometimes what that can do is amp a person's, it amps a person's body, our mind and our body are connected, right? Yes. <laughs> and, yes. Which, you know what? I got to be honest, you know, that, that was one of the coolest things I learned even being on this podcast with you because, you know, I'll be real. and I'm not going to go on any kind of hardcore diatribe here, but, you know, when you hear about we live in a world where still there's a lot of um, uh, a negativity towards therapy or that it's somehow it's weakness and, and all this other stuff. But the reality is our mind and our body are connected. And when you're running into issues like these and you're running into like, you know, even even we were talking in our last episode about, you know, premature ejaculation stuff in that, you know, in Jeremiah's sex tech corner, like mind and body connection. There are ways to find those balances. And if you get everything kind of re-back in tune, you might be able to find a better balance. So I think it's, you know, one of my favorite things that you've ever taught me is that, uh, you know, that it really is connected. And that's where, you know, stuff can shut one thing down and you can really struggle in another place. So thank yeah. you for teaching me that, Doc. And yeah. now you can compliment me in return. <laughs> thank you for being such a good listener, Jeremiah. <laughs> I actually was thinking more like, you know, and you've taught me something, but that's okay. That's fine. You have taught me many, many things. I just don't, we just don't have time today to go through them all. Well, but that doesn't seem quite there, genuine, but continue on with what you, you were have. saying. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so increased touch sensitivity, reactivity, right? That's that's something that can happen for people. Um, another thing that can come up for people is sexual avoidance, Right. And here's the tricky thing about this. I've had plenty of clients over the years that are finding themselves being sexually avoidant or maybe their partners are like, you're being pretty sex, like, seems like you're avoiding sex with me. And sometimes that might have to do with a disinterest in sex. Someone's like, well, I'm just not interested. But sometimes like just because someone's being sexually avoidant doesn't necessarily mean that. I've had plenty of clients over the years that really want to be sexual. But when they go to approach it, it creates this almost like, again, that kind of fight, flight, or freeze, or some type of fear response and avoidance, right? When you think of flight, fight, or freeze, right? That's that flight response. Sure. You're trying to approach something. And so, I, and I do, it's a nuance, but I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, just because someone might be avoiding being sexual, that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't want to be able to approach that, that they don't want to be able to engage in that. Okay. Some people do not, but I wouldn't assume. Right. Okay. Um, other things that can show up are struggles with sexual communication. Okay, well, so, I, hang on, hang on. Let's let's hold this thought here. I think it's a good place for us to take a break because I feel like you're going to get deep dive in here, and and we should probably take a minute, cleanse our palates of the okay. mind. Sounds good. All right, we'll be right back. And we're back. My mind has been cleansed. My palate is clean. It is clear. I feel like I'm at a chili cook-off at a, at a fair, and I just sprayed that stuff in my mouth and swooshed it around. It was like, splooged it right in the, in the thing, and I'm ready for another mouthful of chili, right? That was the strangest metaphor, but I'm with you. Okay. okay. Excellent. <laughs> Here we go. Other thoughts. Okay. Well, what we were talking about, right, are some common sexual struggles people might have after 
trauma, right? Yep. And so one of the other ones, um, and this can come up quite a bit actually, is struggles with sexual communication. And that can look a variety of different ways, but a common way that people have actually talked about it in my office is like during a sexual event, something's happening that they maybe don't like or they don't want to be happening and they're really struggling to communicate that with a partner. It's all, That's more of that freeze mm -hmm. response. Mm -hmm. And then it's not until after the event that they're able to kind of get out of that sort of frozen spot and be like, okay, I didn't like that or that was actually really triggering me. And that can also sometimes, it's, an, it's a really tricky thing because sometimes what happens is you know, partners then feel bad, but it's not really their fault because they weren't really getting an understanding the cues. Yeah, you can't, and, you want, you, you, listen, you, you can't, if you don't know what's happening, you know, you right. can't really, you shouldn't feel bad if you don't understand that there's a problem to begin with. And if you find out if there's a problem afterwards, well, you know, you can't feel bad because you're finding out after the fact. So you go, hey, I didn't know and, and I love you and let's continue to discuss right. what you need. Well, and and, it, and it's hard then also for the person who's obviously who's having that freeze response because then they're maybe pushing forward into something or engaging in something that's like maybe amplifying sort right. of that. Right. That sense of unsafety. And so it's a really tricky thing that sometimes people might have to navigate, but that's also a, a, a struggle that might show up. Um, this one is actually a pretty common one, and, and I don't know if it's one that people talk about as much in terms of things that can come up for people. Um, some people really find themselves um, fantasizing about or eroticizing instances of past trauma or abuse. Okay. Do you know what I mean by that? Uh, like, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, yeah, it's pretty self-explanatory, yeah, I think. Like, 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 let's say somebody was, um, you know, and, and again, sort of a trigger warning, right? But yeah, uh, trigger warning ahead. Whatever she's about to say, yeah, this just, is your yeah, official trigger, trigger warning. Trigger, trigger warning around, like, if you have histories of, uh, going to talk about some sexual assault stuff, right? But let's say that somebody has a history of being raped, and they might find themselves like that, like turning them on, right? Like fantasies of that turning them on or fantasies of forced sex. Side note, this is not every single person that has had that experience, right? right? But some people can find that happening to them and it can really freak them out, right? And it can sure. feel really, sh and, and it can feel like really shameful. Yeah. And yeah. like there's something really wrong. And and I, I want to say that that's a, actually a very common thing. And Part of the reason, you know, and, and these are all theories and it's sort of like, well, why might that happen? Well, the brain is always trying to protect you. That's what it, and sometimes it's doing it in super inconvenient ways, but really it's always trying to protect you. And so kind of theoretically, when that stuff happens, the brain's always trying to make sense of things, to sort things out and to create maybe a sense of control over things. And so sometimes there's something about like, Rather than fighting against something and it feeling really bad, the brain sort of like, well, let's maybe try to take control of this, right? And oh, okay, and you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm with you, right? Like, can take control of this by you know eroticizing it or making it sexy, and it's it's sometimes just the brain's way of trying to sort some stuff out, and it's just more to say if like that's something that people have experienced, like a that's a not uncommon thing that has happened and b it doesn't necessarily mean that like now that fantasy is bad because some of the things that i try to remind people of it and there's lots of different things sometimes people are able to just sort of like 
let those intrusive thoughts or fantasies kind of float on through. And sometimes people aren't and they get caught up in them. And this might sound very bizarre, but what I try to remind people of like, okay, well, what happens if you let yourself engage in that fantasy and be an empowered person within it? Because for it, because for instance, who has all the control in that fantasy? Who gets to stop it at any time? Who gets to make it end? Well, you, Right, right? Right. The person experiencing it because it's your fantasy. It's your sort of experience. And now that's not the right fit in terms of um, navigating it for all people. But some people find that actually incredibly helpful to almost give themselves permission and then as a way to feel empowered by that. Okay. And again, these are not everybody's experience is different. Um so, but but it is a, a a thing that can happen that actually, when it happens, can really freak people out. And so it's it's obviously something that people have to navigate pretty thoughtfully. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. The other thing that can ha- happen for people is is fear of arousal. Okay. And um, so something that we forget is that arousal is arousal. So excitement is arousal. Fear is arousal. Sexual arousal is arousal. Right. It's all this sort of uh, arousal just means there is some type of arousal right in our central nervous system, our sympathetic nervous system. And so sometimes what our brain does is it it kind of throws all of that arousal in the same hopper. And so getting excited or getting um, like physically sexually turned on can sort of feel arousing and amplifying in a way that reminds the brain and connects it to the sensation of fear. And they all sure, get kind of sure. mixed up together. Yeah, it becomes like a sense? mishmash of of aroused sensibilities, senses. Yeah, sure. it, it just starts to get all confusing. And so sometimes when people are trying to kind of, again, all this stuff is so unconscious most of the time. When people are like, I want to feel safe, anything that's sort of activating or arousing can feel really scary. Even if it's like sexy, good arousal. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It can start to actually feel really scary because someone's like, I just want to feel the brain is like, let's just feel safe. Sure. And so when we're saying unconscious thoughts here, right, I just want to be like really clear on yeah. that. Right. So I, I I like to say a good way of like thinking about unconscious thoughts are like you don't think you don't consciously tell your legs to move when you walk. That's your brain just putting in the operations. You sent the yeah. signal, I got to go somewhere, the unconscious thoughts, then the brain takes over and it's like, well, legs must go like this direction, right? Or like, I always like to use the explanation of like, you had to be taught that little nursery rhyme to tie your shoes, right? Right. But when you go down to tie your shoes, that nursery rhyme doesn't pop into your head. The unconscious part of your brain knows what is supposed to be done. You don't have to do the over, under, route through, right? And then you've got even more unconscious thoughts, like even further like back parts of your brain that are sending signals that you're not even aware of at all. Yeah, unconscious means unconscious means they're not in your awareness, right? So like and that here's the thing. Some of our things are they're unconscious, but like quickly we can make them conscious. And so it's all and then some things are deeply unconscious. Um but so let's take something like um your heartbeat. Right. Okay. Your body, your brain is sending cues to your body if you're currently alive, right? To yes. be beating your heart. However, right, all this, and so you're not usually walking around consciously aware of your heartbeat. However, let's say you, I don't know, run up a flight of stairs, or let's say you're just sitting there and then you kind of notice it. All of a sudden you have a conscious noticing of it, and then you're like, 
is my heart weird? Does it sound weird right now? <laughs> right. And like, you almost start feeling like a little bit sort of like, is this normal? The same thing happens with breathing all the time where people are unconsciously breathing. And then they're like, and then someone's like, think about your breath. And then suddenly someone's like, I don't remember how to breathe. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Right. Right. And so that's like a really good example of like, sometimes that unconscious can quickly become conscious. Right. But so those things are always kind of mm, uh, intersecting with one another in certain ways. And part of therapy is an aside, like there's, I don't remember which psychologist said it, um, but I should, but I don't like that. The process of therapy is making the unconscious conscious, right? Okay. Because you can't, you can't do anything about anything or change anything when you're not even aware that it's happening in the first place or why it's not happening in the first place. Yep, Huge yep. part of like why, like in this podcast, Jeremiah, I'm always like, hold on, let me explain what might be happening. Right. 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 Is <laughs> because it's hard to fix the problem if you don't understand it and you don't have some conscious awareness about it. It's like the first key ingredient to doing anything different. But when we think about things like fear and like fear impulses and those protective mechanisms, a lot of that is often very unconscious, and then someone might become conscious of it. Got it. Later on, make sense? Yep, a hundred percent. Thank you for explaining. I just yep. want to make sure yep. we were clear on like conscious thought, unconscious, and you yeah, know, uh, and you know, like everything for else. For the like, every man like me. Yeah, and yeah. like everything else in psychology is complicated. Um, yeah, but just a couple other things that can happen. Common sexual. There are other other ones as well, but some other common sexual struggles post trauma. Some people might experience some like sexual functioning issues. Right, their body just might not work in certain ways uh, that they want it to. And then another one for some people, they might notice themselves engaging in sexual behavior that feels out of control or compulsive in some kind of way. Okay. So there, what's what's really interesting is like. There isn't this sort of like person A experiences trauma, and so now we expect these particular outcomes. If this, if I hope it's making sense. No, that totally makes sense. There can be so many different ways that it manifests for somebody or impacts their sort of their sexual life and their intimate life, right? And then there are these other situations where other people might experience trauma and maybe sometimes very significant ways. And it doesn't impact their sexual lives or intimacy at all. Right. And there's right? no wrong answer, right? Like it's not, it's not there's, like, uh, you know, uh, like you're not damaged because it doesn't impact you and you're not damaged if it does. Like, you know. Right. Yeah. Like there's I think sometimes when people don't see those like <laughs> it's interesting, like I've had partner or I've had clients that have had a history of um maybe sexual trauma and they disclose that to their partner. And then suddenly their partner's like treating them like much, much more like delicately. And they're like, Oh, I, and then all of a sudden they're in my office going, should, should I be having problems? Is there something wrong with me that I'm not? And you know what I mean? Like, and so you can really man, sometimes you can manifest something that doesn't exist because, and it's well-meaning partners, right. That are wanting to be mindful. But one of the things too, is like, I, I try to remind people like, we don't need to go looking for problems that don't exist. Like everybody is so different in terms of how certain events and experiences in their, their lives impact them. And I think where we get into trouble culturally is where we start making assumptions, right? Got it, got it. A equals B, if so-and-so experienced this this traumatic experience, then it must mean they're having A, B, C, and D symptoms, right? Sure, or vice sure. versa, like they their trauma wasn't that severe, like in that, right? Like maybe someone's perspective, they're like, well, that doesn't sound very severe to me. So these symptoms you're experiencing can't be real, right? right? So in either direction, it often can cause harm. Okay, so- we're coming towards the end of an episode here, and yep. we're just I we're told like, you part one. 
I think we should just here's what I'm thinking we should do. I think you should do a nice quick summary here that you're not weird or strange or broken if you feel this way, this way or this way. And next week, we'll come back and we'll do part two as to how to navigate it. What do we think about that? Sure. Sounds good to me. You know, and we'll make the whole second part of this episode really about navigating it and things that maybe the doc's special tricks of the trade that might be able to help us navigate that. I just wrote a whole new episode right there for you. I like what I love is you're like, how about you summarize? And then you gave the summary. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to summarize yes, that? Yes, summarize just better summary? from a doctor therapizing mm, expertise. No. Um, yes. Like I said at the beginning, this is it's a very big topic. And part of the reason that like it's like I went through what are the types of things that can happen? Like that's just that sort of exhibits this idea that like there are so many different impacts this can have. And in terms of like, which makes it hard to answer that question of like, okay, what to do, right? Well, what to do totally depends on what kind of impact you're experiencing. Right. So yes, in we can do a part two of this that will- Well, I think it's I super will, important. Yeah, well, I think so too, which is why I want to bring it up. And I know that it's a bit of a- meaty topic, but I think it's so important and it impacts so many people, unfortunately, right? Um, unfortunately, lots of folks have had lots of really difficult and traumatic experiences in their lives. Yeah. And but and, here's the thing that I really thought was fascinating about what you were saying with this topic is we're not talking just about sexual trauma. We're not talking about just something like, again, trigger warning of, of rape or sexual assaults or anything like that. We're talking about trauma in life, right? Like just yeah. like severe trauma in life. You might have been in a, a horrible car accident and that could affect the brain. Right. It might be, uh, you know, I mean, there's the, the list of whatever the trauma could be is like astronomically long. And, and then it's personalized to you know, what somebody even would see as trauma and all this other stuff. Right. So, you know, I, this is uh, I'm really fascinated by this, like the neuroscience behind it. I didn't know that I was going to become a neuroscientist. I, well, I don't is... know that. I, I mean, I'm not a neuroscientist, so I don't know how you're becoming one. I'm becoming <laughs> so. one uh, just by listening to you. My brain is expanding and I'm learning about all of these different things, which makes me feel like I'm one step away for being a neuroscientist. So well, please continue. I think, I think I'm many, many steps away. So we will have a dialogue about that later on. <laughs> Offline. <laughs> Offline. Um, <laughs> anyways, yes. So we will return with a part two and who knows, we might, it might end up, I don't know that we'll, we might have to take a break, but there might be a three and a four at some point <laughs> in time. Cause it's a big topic and I know it's a big topic, but again, it to me feels so important because it's, one of the most common things when people are coming to my office with sexual struggles, many people have histories of, of experiences and sometimes they don't describe them as traumatic, but really impactful experiences that are playing a role in why they're struggling with what they're struggling. Sure. Sure. With. Of course. And how they do might you not? not be, they might not be the cause, but they are definitely uh, factors and variables that are maybe amplifying somebody's experience and the struggles that they're having. Well, I think so. it's, I think it's all fascinating. I am grateful for you, Doc, as always, and for everything that you do for so many people, because this is something like, again, not even on my radar. 
you know, like I've been in plenty of car accidents. I've had traumatic experiences. And, you know, it hasn't necessarily that I have been aware of impacted my my uh, libido in any way. And, uh, you know, but that doesn't mean because it didn't for me that it wouldn't for someone else. And it's really fascinating because I can imagine that, you know, if you went through a really traumatic experience and all of a sudden you were struggling sexually, that that would be really horribly upsetting and then not really understanding why. So I'm loving this topic. Not that, again, that I don't love all of your topics and they're not all fascinating. But, you know, this one, I'm like, wow, oh, yeah. All of this, like how it, one thing can affect the other thing in so many other ways sexually. So I'm really excited about part two coming back in and uh, figuring out like how to navigate the difficulty. So one more time, if you are struggling because of any type of traumatic event in your life, if you're struggling sexually, it's impacted your sexual uh, relationships or, you know, your intimate moments. It is not strange. It is very normal. And the doc is saying right here, right now, she hears it all the time. And so we're going to come back next week's episode at part two. And we're going to give you some tips and things and how to navigate it. And always, if you're really, really struggling, go talk to somebody. Am I right in that, doc? Yeah. I mean, you know, really what we're doing here is just having dialogues to help, um, you know, get people starting to think about some things. But by no means, like, could ever in a podcast you sort of help, you know what I mean? Like, oftentimes, like, being able to have more in-depth dialogue around the ways that these things might be individually impacting you is going to be much more helpful. But so this is really more meant to, like, think about maybe if you are somebody that's struggling in any of these ways or has, like how to maybe help formulate some ideas and find some ways to begin talking to someone about that. If you haven't already, and side note, lots of people see therapists and have done all sorts of work already. But. Yeah. But you know, I, even though all of that is true, of course, you know, we can't, you know, we can't cure the world's problems here, obviously on a podcast. But what I would like to say to that is, you know, what's so cool about what we do here, doc, and that I love is, is that, you know, we can at least let people know that they're not crazy that they don't you're not crazy for running into the problems you're running into and that if you want to really work through it that's when you go see a therapist but at least you understand that this is a very common thing so thank you very much doc for all that you do as always um everybody out there go check out the amy book april 1st the audiobook all that jazz and the new sex therapist shoot the shit's going to be coming out soon so be ready for that i can't wait to hear about who the mystery guest is going to be that i can't even be told i'll find out when i edit the podcast cuz that's when i get to find out all of the secrets so <laughs> i'm excited about that and thank you all for listening and of course as we always say here at the university of pleasure be kind to one another and take care of each other And we will uh, talk to you all again next week. Talk to you later, Doc. Bye. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. And special thanks to our new associate producer, Kyle Binkley. 
And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com.